to Freedom to Choose, brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, giving hope to people caught in the devastation of addiction. In this series, Questions I'd Like to Ask God, Rich Kallenberg shares 10 messages about God who loves you more than you can imagine. A God that wants you to understand Him. And yes, a God that welcomes your difficult questions about Himself and the way He runs His universe. Rich found freedom 18 years ago from his out-of-control life of drug addiction and alcoholism when God found him. Break free from the chains that may bind you or your loved ones. Now here's Rich on Freedom to Choose. Behavioral addiction, to be angry at something like that over and over and over. That is a behavioral addiction. So, what is an addiction? Very simply put, a habit that controls you, you don't control it. See, there are good things that we do, but I am not controlled by, by my teeth brushing. I tell my arm when and where to brush my teeth, right? I tell myself when to go to bed, and it doesn't control me. They're very good, you know, I tell myself when to comb my hair, and it doesn't control me, right? But there are habits that can control us. That becomes an addiction when the habit controls you. They're divided into two classes, substance and behavioral, okay? Substance and behavioral. Now, this is where it becomes fun. What are some addictive substances? Well, you got alcohol, okay, tobacco, imitation carob. (laughs) We always get a reaction when that comes up, and I can't figure out why, but we'll talk about why, because we we know why, okay? Candy. Sugar, drugs, coffee, soda. Okay, behavioral. That's me right there. Overeating, overexercise. Nobody does any of this, right? Okay. Television. Television bad in and of itself. But can it be an, an, an addictive behavior? Yeah, it can. It can get the better of us. Anger. Anger is a behavioral addiction. Jealousy is a behavioral addiction. Michelle was talking earlier about anxiety and stress. Believe it or not, that is a behavioral addiction. Something that controls you, you don't control it. Okay? Gossip, ooh, don't go there. Right? Overachieving. What else have we got? Music can be an addiction. Sexual addictions and, of course, gambling. These are behavioral, and you can think of other ones. Botox is a behavioral addiction. There's many, you know, texting, whatever. It's a habit that controls you. You don't control it. Very simply. It's very simple. Okay, so who makes the choice? This is the key. When you're addicted to something, the choices you are making are not your choices, but choices your what? Your habit is making for you. Right? Now, what is, the biblical, what is the biblical text for this? Remember this? They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of what? Slaves of destructive habits 
for we are slaves of anything that has conquered us. What does that mean? What does it mean? It's something that has conquered us. Well, we have an indication here in Jude, okay? We have a part to play in this. Jude 1.7 says, even as Sodom, Gomorrah, and the cities about them in like manner, what's that phrase? Giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So, giving themselves over. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? What does it mean to give oneself over? If we all can find that out, then we'll say, hey, I'm not going to be like Sodom and Gomorrah. If I know what it means to, to give oneself over, I'm not going to do that. So I need to know what that is. You need to know what it means to give oneself over? I do too. So you have in your brain, I'm going to split it up because uh, it's not really all split up, but we're going to split it up to talk about it so it makes sense to us, okay? You have a, a place here in your brain and you have a place here in your brain, okay? And you have influence right here. So in other words, the mind is governed by the will. That will is influenced by thoughts and feelings. You with me so far? Okay. Now, you have a spiritual nature. That's where you reason. That's where your conscience is. And that's where your center of worship is. That's where everything makes sense. Okay? But then you have something else down here. This is, this is uh, set up here by God to be a wonderful thing for a person. But the problem is, we have perverted that. Genetic vulnerabilities, we all have them. They're different for each one of us, but we have them. Basically, what are genetic vulnerabilities? They're selfishness, okay? So, you have reason and you have selfishness. Sensualism, materialism, and egoism. Lust of the eyes, Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Okay? Three main things that pull at us. Always. Okay? The so-called executive functions of the frontal lobes involve the ability to recognize future consequences resulting from current actions. Everybody get what I'm saying? You're constantly, your brain is constantly judging what are the future consequences of my current actions? Should I say this to my wife or should I not? Maybe I'd better not say it because there's future consequences to my current actions. Right? Gentlemen, would you agree? That you watch what you say to your wife because there are future consequences of those current actions. Now, you, when you're going to pull out in front of a car, you determine how far away it is and say, whoa, not a good idea. There's future consequences pulling out if that guy's only 100 yards away, right? You're constantly going through, what am I going to eat? There's future consequences resulting from these current actions. Those are the executive functions of the frontal lobes. To choose between good and bad, override, suppress, unacceptable social responses. Sometimes you want to say something to someone in the heat of the moment, but your spiritual nature, your frontal lobe says, not a good idea. Don't do it. 
and you don't do it and you're glad you didn't say something in the heat of the moment, in that, in that instance, the spiritual nature wins out. But sometimes the little switch behind the ear gets flipped and you get angry and you say something you shouldn't have said because the lower nature took over. And we said, forget about the future consequences. I'm saying it anyway. Okay? So, what is this? Broccoli, isn't it? It's broccoli. It is. And what is this? Ah. Smiles, moans, groans, happiness. Why? Why with something like that would everybody get excited, but nobody gets excited about broccoli? Huh? Why would that be? Our good old friend, dopamine. Okay? Remember I said that the dopamine would go off if an addict even saw a photo of the substance they abused? Should even see a photo of the substance they abused. I'm not saying anybody abused that Sunday. I'm not saying that at all. But there's a reason why the dopamine went off. Remember, our, motiv- our behavior is motivated via expectations. Okay? Like drugs, sugar stimulates the release of what? Dopamine. A feel- And if we watched Michelle's presentation the other night, it showed exactly what happens with that dopamine. A feel-good neurotransmitter, among other functions, however, eating protein or other foods doesn't cause as big a rush of happy chemicals. So when you're eating uh, your carrots and your broccoli and your cauliflower, it's not going to cause a big rush. But something happens when you eat that Sunday. Sugar is somewhat unique. Now, this is from um, this is from Breaking the Food Seduction by Dr. Neil Bernard. Sugar treats triggers the release of natural opiates in the brain. It also has a marked appetite driving effect, okay? Once it touches your lips, sugar's opiate effects break through the dam holding back your appetite. An army of dietitians couldn't save you from the binge. The opiates are busily resetting all of your internal priorities. So not only are you getting a dopamine rush, but you're getting the opiate effect. Now, let's see if this holds true. Have you ever been at someone's house for lunch or dinner? And they serve you dinner, five-course meal. Nice. And you're all done with the meal. And you're sitting back in the chair about half glazed over. And you're full. And you know it. Right? And then what happens? She comes around the corner with that whatever. Apple pie, chocolate cake, who knows? And the first thing, logic and reason say, no, wait a minute, Rich, you're full. You already agreed on that. Logic, But then you say, well, I don't want to insult the host, right? The hostess. Just give me a little slice, right? Right? And after you eat that little slice, you could eat the whole pie. You know what I'm saying? It changes, it resets everything. And that's what's so dangerous about sugar. That's what's so dangerous. So now, what does it mean to give oneself over? This is what it means to be free right here. The brain says, stop, I've eaten enough food. I've exercised enough for today. No, thank you. I don't need any more of that. Your brain, logic and reason are in control. Okay? 
Logic and reason are in control. This is called living according to the spirit. The right amount of dopamine has gone through the brain chemical progression there. Okay, that's good. But what happens now when reason gets overridden by too much dopamine? Okay? Reason gets overridden by too much dopamine. Sugar, cigarettes, drugs, whatever cause a rush of dopamine, the pleasure cell says, that was intense, let's do it again. I really like that. Okay? This is what it means to be in bondage. The brain is demanding a certain behavior to make the body temporarily feel good, regardless of the long-term damage it will do. You understand what I'm saying? This is called living according to the flesh. Now, we start liking the brain stimulation of the pleasure so much that we choose it more and more and more and more. Ruts, ruts, ruts get deeper until one makes a conscious decision to accept the pleasure over right and wrong. You have given yourself over to that substance or behavior when you make that conscious decision to say, you know what, I don't care about the long-term consequences, I'm doing it. You've given yourself the stamp of approval, now it's okay in your mind. That means you've given yourself over. That means I've given myself over to that behavior or that substance. This is why it's so hard for God to retrieve someone once he's been in a good condition and gone back to the old condition. Because those old ruts are deep. He's already pulled you out of the ruts one time. It's not impossible. It's not impossible for him to do it. But this is why it is difficult, you see. To change the habits or to change the reactions in the brain, one must make new choices. Now, does this come by just mustering up enough ego motivation to change our brain? No. Now we must give ourselves over to something or someone else. Right? Does that make sense? See, the something or someone else that we're about to give ourselves over to knows what's right and wrong. They're a benchmark. That's Jesus Christ. He's a benchmark. There's no, there's no gray areas with him. It's either right or wrong. And so we can know what's right. Now remember, we talked about it yesterday. The Bible testifies of the one who has the power. That's where the power is, you see. Philippians says in Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Therefore, if anyone is, in, in, anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, how many things? All things become new. Now, wait a minute, though. Many times for me, all things aren't new. What does this mean? It means our perspective on things are all things are new. And now, instead of wanting to do wrong things, we want to do right things. That's how all things become new. And then all things do eventually become 
new with that new mindset. That desire to do good that God puts in our heart now drives us. That desire to go with logic and reason rather than I want what I want and I want it now. God can give us the power to desire to go with logic and reason. Crowd out the bad behavior with good behavior. Crowd it out. See, a gambler's not going to sit in front of the casino saying, I'm not going to gamble, I'm not going to gamble, I'm not going to gamble. He has to find something else to do. And that behavior has to be good. It has to be approved of by God. And when, he, when he's engaging in that behavior, he's creating new ruts in the brain, new things give him pleasure, old things pass away, behold, all things become new. This is why the Bible says, don't fill your mind with the gambling. Don't fill your mind with the drugs. Don't fill your mind with the carousing. Fill your minds with those things that are good, that deserve praise, things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and honorable. It's a pretty good recipe, isn't it? You fill your mind with those things. Those things are what start the dopamine flowing. Those things are what motivates your behavior via expectations. You're building new ruts. You become a new person worried about other people and not yourself. Fill your mind with these wonderful things, not the garbage, not the old stuff. Here's the key, though. It doesn't work if we don't put it into practice. Put into practice what you learned and received from me, both from my words and from my actions. And the God who gives us peace will be with you. When, we, when will he be with you? When you put it into practice. And I'll tell you why. Okay, I'll tell you why. And uh, once again, Cliff and uh, Tom can relate to this. This is, this is one of the things that we have to really worry about. Um, on the job. And what we do when we hire someone and in our weekly safety meetings, we go over this topic called heat illness until it's almost redundant over and over again. But what happens is, what happened to me was, um, and this is why you've heard the saying, I've got it up here, but it needs to make the 18 inch drop to my heart, you know. I know about it, but it's not in my heart. This is why, okay? Um, about last May, Susan and I were scheduled to go do a seminar somewhere, and I got up the morning before, and I had vertigo, okay? I had vertigo, and I so I tried to, you know, had to cancel the trip and everything, and I was wondering, what happened? Why did I have that? So I started doing some research. Well, I found out something really interesting in the research, which I'll share with you in a second, but the week prior to um, the week prior to me getting the vertigo, every time we hire somebody, we have to we go through this uh, a safety manual, and we explain to them how much water to drink per hour, where the shade is, what happens if somebody goes down, call nine one one, send somebody out the road. All this stuff goes on, right? And one of the main things you drive home is if anybody asks you how much water to drink, what are you supposed to say? One quart of water per hour, no matter what, okay? Now, whether they drink that or not, 
is a whole other thing. But they need to know that in the heat, that's what they need to drink, right? So I hired 10 people that week. I went through that 10 times that week. And then I did this research on this vertigo, okay? You're going to be amazed. Yes, dizziness and vertigo can be caused by what? Dehydration. Your brain is made mostly of water. Your body is made mostly of water for that matter. When you don't get enough water, it can alter brain and nerve function. And a sign of this happening is dizziness. How do you know when you're dehydrated? Well, if you drink less than 64 ounces, two liters of water a day, you are dehydrated. 64 ounces of water is one half gallon. That's water, not juice, not soda, not coffee, not beer, not milk, not tea, soup. It's water. Many people say to me, well, I don't feel thirsty. How can I be dehydrated? It's like this. Now, this is the important part because we're going to transfer this to a spiritual application. It's like this. When you have been dehydrated for a long time, like a week, like I was, your thirst mechanism shuts down. Okay? You don't know you're thirsty. Okay? You don't feel thirsty until your mouth is actually dry. It's too late then. But it's strange. If you start drinking water regularly, your thirst mechanism comes back. If you start doing good things regularly, your thirst mechanism for good things will come back. Are you understanding what I'm saying? See, I had... I had uh, trained these guys. I had told them how much water to drink, but I didn't put it into practice myself. And so I got dehydrated. It's the same thing with the gospel. We can understand it till the cows come home, but if we don't put it into practice, if we don't put what we discussed tonight into practice, it will do no good because the ruts in the brain will stay the same. We have to go through, literally, literally through the motions and create new pathways. And that means the entire being needs to go through that experience, not just a mental gymnastic of it. Are you with me? In conclusion, my friends, fill your minds with those things that are good, those things that are, deserve praise, those things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and honorable. So my question would be, if we don't put it into practice, uh, we're going to get into trouble uh, because you have to ask yourself, and I have to ask myself, what is it that's triggering my dopamine? You know what I'm saying? Where are we getting the triggers? And that is examining oneself. What is giving me pleasure? Is it good, holy, happy things, or is it things that are off the radar a little bit, things that I ought not be doing? but I'm strengthening my brain chemistry by doing them the wrong way. You know what I'm saying? What triggers it? Are the ruts deepening so deep and so hard that we feel we can't get out? Remember, God is in the business of pulling us out of those ruts and creating new pathways if we put into practice what he has prescribed. Just simply knowing that it will do it doesn't do it. We have to put it into practice to strengthen the brain to climb out of the bad behavior. That's how we crowd out bad behavior with good behavior. So our question for tonight is, does the devil just take what he wants? No. Giving themselves over to fornication, okay? 
giving themselves over. No, we have to give ourselves over to him. He does not take what he wants. You with me? This is in our own personal realm. He does not take what he wants. We have to give ourselves over to him. How about you tonight? Is it nice to know that your brain chemistry behaves biblically? You know, that the Bible is really true and right about what the prescription is to get well. See, Jesus not only wants to forgive you, he wants to make you well. He, freedom, we talked about it the second night. What is freedom? It's being able to hold your head high and be in control of your destiny by choosing the right things and being able to choose the right things and not being bound by some habit that controls us. That's bondage. Remember when he went to the Pharisees and he said, you're in bondage? And they said, we've never been in bondage to anyone. We're the children of Abraham. We've never been in bondage. He said, you got bad habits. <laughs> you got bad habits. We all do. But you know what? There's an answer, isn't there? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose and this series, Questions I'd Like to Ask God. If you or someone you know is living in addiction captivity and having trouble finding God, Rich and Susan Kallenberg are living testimonials that God does work miracles. They've created a seven-step, biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for yourself or someone you know, just give them a call and they'll send it to you. 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com Thank you for listening and remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.